Welcome to Tammy Sparacino Journal Club Casino Podcast, hosted by Tammy Sparacino. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to PerfWeb 78, day one. Day one of PerfWeb 78 is the Tammy Sparacino Journal Club. Uh, and I know that she is so incredibly excited today. She came in today and her article is on uh, air inflammation and biocompatibility of the extracorporeal circuits. It looks like it comes from Italy. There's a lot of Italian names here uh, from the Journal of Perfusion. And she has told me from the minute she walked in how excited she was uh, that this was one of the best articles and easiest articles that she has ever had to review and is excited about telling everyone about this uh, topic today and teaching us a lot. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. I did? Very good, very good. She is very excited. She also has GOAT. She's going to keep GOAT with her today. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to get through today. So you can find us on the uh, web, perfweb.us. You can go to uh, contact at perfusioneducation.com. You can go to, uh, yeah, look at the scrolling on the bottom. It'll tell you everything that you can do. And uh, we're gonna have ourselves a, a great show. I think I, just, I think I just got goat shoved back at me. Here, there, there, and there's our call in number. Okay, we're a serious bunch here. Let's go to the double. Double, double shot, if you don't mind. I don't want to be on there all by myself. There you go. I, I, I need a witness in case anything happens to me today. So I don't want to be a single shot at all. I want Tammy to be always on air. All right? I didn't know if you wanted to talk about the app and the podcast. Oh, yeah, the app and the podcast. So we have our podcast. You can go to uh, any of your podcasting software. Which, which is it? The app or the podcast? You just put the out. I mean, you're okay, look. I mean, okay, the podcast, you could go to Spotify, you can go to Podbean, you can go to uh, all different, and is it Podbean or is it Podbeam? Bean. Bean with an N? Uh -huh. it's that like, doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you make it Podbeam because you're beaming it? it? None of this makes sense to me, all of this stuff, these names. Um, there's our app. You can go check us out, get your favorite podcasting service, and you can find our app. Now, this app, that's a different story. Now, all joking aside, the Critical Care app for perfusionists is a fantastic app. It's got perfusion, ECMO, hemodynamics, clinical calculators, conversions, and it has an IV rate calculator. Um, the Ivy Ray calculator is actually a separate app you can get. That's 99 cents, and it's absolutely fantastic for nurses uh, in the critical care unit or even anesthesia uh, in the operating room. But it's got a lot of really neat stuff in it. The critical care app, the bigger apps, $2.99. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I think that it's for the value. The value is there. Mm -hmm. It does a lot of good stuff. You can calculate a lot of stuff. Uh, if you're there taking care of ECMO patients, if you're in the operating room, whatever the case may be, I strongly suggest it. Reach out to us, talk to us. We're a fun group. We're easy to get along with. We, uh, we, we, we are trying to have fun with this process of education because it is quite serious. But sometimes you just got to have some fun with it all and be silly. And that's why we have the GOAT because I think Tammy feels today is going to be a tough day for her 
and it's going to be a goat day. <laughs> Tammy, it's on you. Okay, thanks. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us for the Journal Club, PerfWeb 78, day one. Today we are going to be talking about this article that is titled Air Inflammation and Biocompatibility of the Extracorporeal Circuits, published in the Journal of Perfusion. Um, you love that journal. I do like this journal. It's got very interesting articles. Um, in 2020, by uh, Ignacio Condello and his colleagues. Let me borrow your pen. Sure. Thanks. Okay, let me read the abstract to you. The inflammatory response in cardiac surgery using extracorporeal circuit has widely been discussed in the literature with analysis of cytokines released in humans, demonstrating manifold trigger causes. To mitigate this response, mainly linked to contact and recognition by the blood of a non-self surface, many efforts have been made to make the circuits of extracorporeal circulation biomimetic. Mimetics. Mimetic. Mimetics. Biomimetic. Biomimetics. There we go. Trying mm -hmm. to emulate the cardiovascular system. In other words, biomedical companies have developed many biocompatible products in order to reduce the invasiveness of the ECC. One of the techniques used to reduce uh, the contact of blood with non-self surfaces is coating of the internal surfaces of the ECC. This can be done with phospho... Uh, um, uh, lip uh, okay, let's start again. This can be done with phospholipidic. Is that right? I don't know. I'm not sure where you are. I'm looking. Phospho... Where, where are you? I'm in the, this can be done, center. Boss. Passive coding? Nope. Right no. after the word ECC. I'm Follow along. Are you out. with me? Phospholipidic. Yeah, okay. So you phospholipidic. Right. Lipidic. Electronically neutral. Electrically and, neutral. Oh, goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. Electrically neutral and heparin derivatives, derivatives uh, with um, anticoagulant activity. The coding can be divided into two categories. The passive coding with phospho, phosphorylcholine uh -huh. by biomedical companies and the administration of albumin added to the priming during the filling of the circuit by the perfusionist. Alternately, we have the active coating, treatment of the internal surfaces in contact with the blood with neutral proteins and heparin. The latter are different according to the production company, but the aim is always to maintain high levels of systemic and local anticoagulation, inactivating the contact coagulation between the blood and the surfaces. A recent study demonstrates that the, active, uh, uh, that the use of active coating is associated with better preservation of the endothelial Glycocalyx. I knew that one. Glycocalyx compared with passive coated circuits. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here we go. Got some. Uh, I'm glad you picked this one. Did you pick this? I did not pick this. You picked this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a couple figures to get through. And um, there's actually, this article is pretty short, and there's not a lot of explanation for these. Um, figures, so we're just going to touch on them, because I'm, I'm confused about a couple things that they're referring to. It's not um, 
really explained in the article. But for the standard, or what they call conventional, that's what the C stands for, ECC, you have your venous management is via a reservoir, and then you have your um, roller pump, centrifugal pump, and oxygenator. Then you have your intracavitary cavitary suction via a roller pump, so that's going to be like vents. And then your extracavitary suction, which of course like uh, your roller pump and cell saver. Pump sucker. Yeah, pump sucker. All right. Now, when you're looking at uh, what's called the micro ECC, your venous management is done by the patient's body. That's your reservoir. And then you have a um, closed circuit. You still have um, a centrifugal pump and oxygenator, no roller head pumps because that would introduce air. And then you have your uh, intracavitary suction um, that would be fed directly into your um, circuit. And then your extracavitary has to be through cell saver, so there's still no air. Okay, and then this is their unique circuit, the Fibernashi. <laughs> um, and what they developed, or what they talk about in this technique article, because that's what this is, it's a technique article, is applying <clears throat> a small amount of vacuum to their venous reservoir, still using an oxygenator and a centrifugal pump, and then um, their uh, intracavitary and extracavitary suction are all drained by the vacuum that is applied to the venous reservoir. Looking at the conventional ECC versus the minimally invasive ECC or their unique fibro-nashi ECC, here's the pros and the cons. So for conventional, you can use it for all procedures. The cons, you have hemodilution, roller pump usage, presence of the blood-air interface, and the risk of hemolysis. For a minimally invasive ECC, there's no blood-air um, interface. You have reduced contact surface because it's a smaller circuit, reduced lines, reduced hemodilution. There's no roller pumps. There's reduced hemolysis. The cons, it's difficult to keep your goals uh, I, for example, the blood-air interface absence and reduced hemolysis due to the use of suction and aspirators that would have blood-air interfaces. Their uh, circuit, the Fibernashi, there are no roller pumps. There are reduced hemolysis for all procedures. It's usable. That's the thing with the minimally invasive. Uh, if you have no additional suction or drains, it's not really useful for everything, only cabbages, right? Um, and then the cons of the Fibernashi would be there is some blood-air interface. However, they do talk about that because of the negative pressure that is applied, uh, about 40 milligrams, uh, negative 40 milligrams of mercury. Millimeters. Uh, yep, that one, millimeters of mercury. Um, that they are using the idea of the um, perfect gas laws and that the quantity of the gas is directly proportional to the barometric pressure to zero or at least to reduce the concentration of nitrogen in the air of the blood-air interface. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. 
that's all I had on this article. There was an original article where they did their study on their Fibonacci, and I gotta be honest, it was a little bit over my head in some of these things, so we're not gonna get too much into that. Mm -hmm. I did find, uh, but it did spark my interest in minimally invasive uh, extracorporeal circulation uh, circuits. And I found this article that was published in the Journal of Thoracic Disease in 2019 by Jenny and Associates. Uh, they're out of Switzerland and it kind of broke down the different types because I'm not very familiar with microcircuits. I've never used one. I've never even seen one in person. You never you never used the MEC system? Do, do you not remember the MEC system that... Uh, no. It was by, uh, I believe it was either Baxter or it was Edwards and I can't remember. Or maybe it was Baxter Edwards. Um, yeah, and it was a system where they uh, cannulated fem-fem uh, and totally closed system. So there was no reservoir. Yeah. And they were doing everything from valves to nope. but any, Never saw it. any suction, any uh, suction from the chest um, or intracavitary suction had to go to the uh, cell saver. Yeah. No, never seen that. Um, so it failed. It failed. Okay. This article actually I thought was uh, really informative. I enjoyed it a lot. And I'll just read to you a little bit from it. So the main challenge of modern cardiac perfusion technology is the, is the achievement of optimal biocompatibility of the uh, extracorporeal circuits. So it talks about the side effects in conventional cardiopulmonary bypass or organ systems are triggered uh, by complement system activation through foreign surfaces, hemodilution through priming volumes, the blood air contact, as well as negative positive pressures in the reservoir. So to overcome all of these negative effects, the minimally invasive cardiac uh, or the minimally invasive extracorporeal circuit um, have been evolving for the last 20 years. Right, and if you take that eye out, because yeah. it's little, right? Yeah. That's the MEC system. Oh. M-E-C-C. Oh, I see. I the see. The eye just wasn't, you know, as silent, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Okay, so they talk about that there are several poten potential advantages because you reduce um, the systemic inflammatory response and then the subsequent organ dysfunction. The main components of um, um, minimally invasive ECC must include a closed uh, CPB circuit, a biologically inert blood contact surfaces, so it must be coated, reduced priming volume, a cardioplegia system, a venous bubble trap, venous air removing device, and a shed blood management system. And then they're classified into four types with modular components, which are described in the following sections. So, Can I say something or no? Yeah. So just go back to the previous slide. Yep. There are no biologically inert blood contact surfaces. We have things that are right. intended to mitigate it to some degree, but a true, what would be an endothelial mimetic yes. or artificial yes. endothelial layer does not exist. Right. 
right, period. Right. Well, I think their point is, is that it has to be coated with something. Right. So you could have some kind of... To be of, classified this. Right. Because these some, are the characteristics. Some kind of, really what it comes down to is, it, it is a, it is an inflammatory mitigation uh, uh coding perhaps if you want to call it that mm -hmm. but you know but when we do i mean really at the end of the day ecmo vavv is a completely closed system there is no blood air interface yeah we're going to get into that a little bit as they talk okay, about the I'll different stop. types because there's a point i'm trying to make with it which i'll make later then okay so <laughs> the main goal of type one is the avoidance of the CPB-related shortcomings. So a type 1 is going to consist of a complete of closed circuit, which includes an oxygenator and a pump. The, no venous reservoir. All the components are coated with heparin, um, which is not nececessarily true, I don't think. But the tubing is significantly reduced in length. The main applications of type 1 would be ECLS and cabbage. For cabbage, this is a closed heart procedure, so obviously you're able to reduce the systems to a minimum centrifugal pump, membrane oxygenator, and the tubing lines. A venous bubble trap is not incorporated, and there's no uh, venting lines. You know, any of the uh, shed blood is going to go to your cell saver. <coughs> Um, let's see, for type 2, what you implement is you add the component of the venous bubble trap or some kind of venous air removing device. Additionally, a pulmonary artery vent can be integrated into the type 2 circuit and then the shed blood <coughs> is still separated um, and processed uh, into a cardioto cardiotomy suction. Due to the closed circuit's construction, there is no shifting of volume and the patient's own venous capacitance serves as the volume compensation system. To avoid a volume overload with cons uh, consecutive hemodilution, the cardioplegia strategy needs to be adapted. Therefore, the integration of low volume cardioplegia technique is ideal and feasible. So mm -hmm. like something like the Quest, I'm assuming. Right. All components of, oh, sorry. All components of uh, this circuit are coated, the tubing is significantly reduced, and the characteristics permit the reduction of priming volume to between 5 and 650 compared to the standard um, ECC. The reduction of the foreign surface, separation of shed blood, and avoidance of the blood air contact also allows for some reduction in your ACTs. Anticoagulation, uh, they give a formula here, is achieved by administration of heparin infusion of um, 150 uh, IE per kilogram mm -hmm. for a, uh, a target range of 300 to 500. Yeah, there's no question that without a, you know, the reason why we need our ACTs as high as we have them on traditional cardiopulmonary bypass is because of the reservoir mm -hmm. which has you know if because we do very low acts very low ptts when we do ecmo because we have such a short transit time but there's another reason why you do that and i'm what listening to this but i'm listening to it and it's it's causing me anxiety and i had anxiety when this was a thing when this was something that mm -hmm. everyone wanted to do mm -hmm. i remember that time 
Um, and I was like, no, 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 I don't think this is such a good idea. I was very opposed to this mech system back, but I mean, I listened intently. Mm -hmm. The thing is, you don't only have to be concerned about the reservoir basically gelatinizing right. because of that, but you are occluding blood vessels in the body while they're doing the coronaries. So you have yes. longer periods. It's not just of about stasis. the circuit. Right. Right. And so having these using this idea so you're coating your your circuit with heparin but then you're wanting to minimize the amount of heparin that you give systemically because you don't want to have because you don't have a reservoir but you do have static flow none of it ever made sense to very, me very uh it c contradicts itself for sure i, I think it does well, I don't know I how think, you feel, but that's how I feel. I think most of the coatings now aren't heparin coated. That was the original thing we started with, right? I think uh, it was, uh, what was it called? Carmita coating from mm -hmm. uh, Medtronic was heparin based. But I think now all, 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 pretty much all the circuits have some sort of bio coating on it, but it's not uh, heparin anymore, correct? I think they still have heparin. That's why I think Carmita. Yes, but just Carmita. But mm -hmm. you know, all the others the are the way it ex it's extruded. It's not actually a coating. It's mm -hmm. some type of extrusion process mm -hmm. that causes the plasma to the first pass to, to lay down yeah. and create that barrier right. to the artificial surface. Modema has a. I wonder if a graphene surface would work within the body. Good question. Mm -hmm. Graphene is an allotrope of carbon consisting of a single layer of atoms arranged in a two-dimensional honeycomb lattice nanostructure. Okay, Modema. We're perfusionists, number one. That's fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating, number two. And number three... Um, I don't know if you have access to goats or, or pigs, but you may want to do some studies on this because if this, this works, you may become very wealthy. That's right. Um, so one never knows. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question, but I know that the, all joking aside, um, when they extrude these tubings, they create these etchings in them. They're called smart uh, uh, coatings. But they call it coatings, but it's really not even a coating, right? Okay. And because the heparin, when they did the heparin, uh, there was washout. Yes. Right? But again, if your goal is to lay down a, a plasma barrier across the surface, then you're sort of getting a pseudo quasi endothelialization, mm -hmm. but it really isn't endothelium. Right. And there was a lot well, of issues. Yeah. It probably mess up all the circuits. I don't know. I don't, we don't know. I don't know um, for sure. We don't know. Uh, it's certainly been a problem for many, 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 many years. Yes. And, um, you know, most people uh, don't like their, their blood circulation going through artificial uh, devices uh, over time because they'll interact with it over time they do adapt to it and that inflammatory process goes away mm -hmm. the challenge we have with uh, heart surgery is it doesn't last long enough for that to occur we see it in ecmo we see it in ecmo yes and it mm -hmm. takes about four days mm -hmm. uh for uh the inflammatory process that's generated from the ecmo circuit mm -hmm. itself 
to eventually diminish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, but in, in heart surgery at last, you're on bypass for an hour or two, you know, or depending on who you're working with, could be three or four hours, but it's not four days, right? Right. It's a relatively short period of time. So let's talk about type, uh, from type one and two to type three. So for any open heart procedures like uh, aortic or mitral valves, the, um, you have to change the ECC fundamentally. Valvular surgery, you're going to need some sort of venting, and you are going to have blood-air interaction much more present, obviously, because the heart's open. So the main difference between type 1, type 2, and type 3 is the ability to control volume shifts and variations more efficiently. This is achieved by different modular steps. First, you're going to integrate a volume collection bag in the MIECC circuit for situations during uh, when simple patient positioning maneuvers aren't sufficient to correct the excessive volume shifts. Secondly, reverse Trendelenburg, trying to use the, right. the venous capacitance system exactly. as right maneuvering the bed, right? Um, secondly, the implement, implement, implementation of specific components such as an additional bubble trap, a soft bag, or a hard shell reservoir to handle collected vent blood. The main challenge for the type 3 is to preserve the main principles of what it is to be a minimally inva- or minimal invasive um, extracorporeal technology such as closed circuit biologically inner blood contact services, reduced blood, uh, uh, b- reduced priming, a cardioplegia system, a venous bubble trap to remove air, and a shed blood management system. Because you think about it, the more things you add, the more volume you're adding. Um, if you have a blood-air interface, that goes against what a minimally invasive ECC is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And how do you manage excessive volume? Mm-hmm. One of the main issues for the type 3 is the integration of one or more of the following concepts. Uh, oh, pulmonary uh, arterial vent, aortic root vent, a left ventricular vent. Those modifications will help guarantee a blood-free surgical field. Looking at them individually, pulmonary artery venting, the main advantage is you can connect the vent directly to the circuit line. Therefore, the vent performance is, but that makes the uh, vent performance directly dependent on the negative pressure generated by the centrifugal pump. And that's what the first article talked about, right? Yeah, but that can be substantial. Yep. However, there's a limiting factor. Um, that is a limiting factor. The speed of the centrifugal pump needs to be adjusted to uh, the amount of venous return in order to uh, avoid the venous vascular collapse and subsequent instability of the perfusion circuit. That we call chatter. Right. Exactly. They, they're, I was gonna they're say, basically doing this with ECMO. Right. It's VA ECMO that they're doing hard surgery with. Right. Right. Nice. Furthermore, Pulmonary artery venting does not directly drain the left ventricle and cannot de-air the left heart during the reperfusion phase. The retransfusion rate of volume drained by a pulmonary artery vent into the uh, the minimally invasive circuit without any blood-air contact is one of the major advantages. Looking at LV venting, the integration of an LV vent combines the advantages of better LV drainage and effective de-airing uh, during the reperfusion phase. However, you have to give up the avoidance of the blood-air contact. 
Consequently, the shed blood collected by the LV vent cannot be drained directly into the circuit because you're going to have risk of air embolus, right? Exactly. Right. The, the, you know, that's one of the big problems with this thing. That was, and they have, of course, they put the Venus air trap in there. But if any air goes through, it, it shuts you, your pump off because it's going back. Right, right, exactly. Consequent, uh, no, got through that. Okay. Uh, can't be drained. There are different approaches to uh, retransfuse of the blood volume from the LV vent. One possibility is the use of a Venus bubble trap, which is connected to in line to a soft bag reservoir or direct um, retransfusion into the circuit. Another option, which avoids the Venus bubble trap, is the direct but manual cross clamp connection to a hard shell reservoir. The collected volume can be intermittently retransfused into the uh, minimally invasive circuit by manually declamping the con connection line. Also, the LV vent and pulmonary artery vent can both be controlled by an additional roller pump and therefore remain independent performance of the centrifugal pump. Okay, now that we got through all that, they have a really nice graphic. So here is how you would do this. So you can see that you on the bottom, you've got your basic circuit, right? So you've got your centrifugal pump. Well, first off, uh, let's, I guess I can go ahead and do this. And we'll go with this. All right, so you've got coming from the patient, you're going through here, you've got some pressure monitoring, you've got a bubble trap going through an air detector, centrifugal pump, oxygenator, and then all the way back around to the patient. Now, if uh, that would work great for, you know, a cabbage. If you're wanting to do some venting, you can use roller head pumps. So you can use a vent suction line, go through a pump, and then it goes into some sort of reservoir. Okay, they've got a hard shell here. You can also do um, a cardiotomy suction through a roller pump and into your hard shell reservoir. And then you're controlling the flow of that into your circuit by a manual clamp. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this because I'm actually kind of familiar with this idea and I'll tell you why here. Let's see, done and we'll get through here. So the summary of this particular is that one and two are dependent on the venous return and the patient's venous uh, capacitance serving as the volume compensation system. Both types cannot adapt to large volume shifts and have a limited range of performance, cabbages and ECLS. Both uh, types are effective in the reduction of systemic or system components and fulfill all principles of the minimally invasive ECC. The reduction of the foreign surface area, the separation of shed blood, and the avoidance of the blood-air contact. They even permit you to have lower ACTs. Okay. Which I'm very uncomfortable well, with. Well, but their lower ACTs was 300. That's fair. That's not that low. That's not really that low. Right. That's true. Okay. For open heart surgery, however, you're going to need a type 3, which is able to control volume shifts more uh, efficiently through the implementation of a volume reservoir bag and of a pulmonary artery venting or LV venting. One of the main requirements during the um, minimally invasive ECC type 3 is the retransfusion of shed blood. The primary goal of handling the shed blood 
is for it to be separated into um, auto uh, autologous uh, retransfusion systems like a cell but saver. Aren't there still? Are there not like currently some programs that don't use any pump sucker? Yes. At all, they every all suction goes to the cell saver. Yes, and I'm gonna t I, let's talk about that after I get through this summary because I have some I have some stuff to say about okay. that. Um, okay, in this regard, evidence is lacking as to, oh, sorry, I skipped a line here. The primary goal is handling the shed blood. Very critically thinking, types 3 and types 4 diverge from the original concept of the minimized CPB circuit. In this regard, evidence is lacking as to whether the use of intraoperative autologous retransfusion systems reduces allergenic blood product utilization, which is the amount of shed blood volume and which amount of shed blood volume can be processed without negatively influencing non-surgical hemostasis. The requirements of type 1 and type 2 mainly focus on sufficient circulating, um, sufficient circulation during cabbage procedures in ECLS. In contrast, the requirements of the type 3 are higher since preservation of volume equilibrium is mandatory by closely managing shed blood retransfusion and avoiding venous collapse during close observation of the centrifugal pump speed. Furthermore, if a hard shell reservoir is used for LV venting or shed blood collection, the blood-air contact cannot be avoided, which in turn will increase the inflammatory response. The classification of these circuits provides a clear definition of the different systems and gives a clear distinction between conventional and minimally invasive. Minimally invasive presents a physiologically based perfusion strategy, not just another CPB circuit or particular product. For this reason, a multidisciplinary approach is mandatory. Close collaboration between surgeons, anesthesiologists, and perfusionists is paramount uh, importance for safe and efficient application of this minimally invasive ECC concept. And that's it. Okay. You were going to say some things. Yeah, I'm going to say some things. Okay, so we can take the slides down, David. Um, actually, I guess it was maybe my second job. I went to a place that used Venus uh, soft shell reservoir, and we had a separate cardiotomy for all suction, all venting and all suction. Mm -hmm. And we isolated that and very similar to what they were talking about in their uh, in their diagram here the second article and you only added that shed blood if you absolutely had to if you did not need it during the course of the um you you saved it and sent it to the cell saver mm -hmm. because the idea was the same you're trying to you know they were doing all the same things other than reduction in priming volume and shortening your lines but you were keeping the primary um, goal of that was to reduce blood air interface mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. now have you ever used it is that is have you ever had a system where you tried to isolate that because i know that we were just I've, talking about no some I've places put all of their suction type blood over to the cell saver yes yes and no i've never actually done that mm -hmm. um you know however i have 
thought about it. I've seen a lot of, I've done a lot of cases where the suction blood was so profound and, uh, I mean, just a massive amount. Of course, it's a it's a it's a double-edged sword, you know. And I see the foam and the the it, mm -hmm. the blood looks terrible, and it's going into the cardiotomy. It does come back out looking a little bit nicer, does. especially if you have um, a sep you know you have the separate, separate cardiotomy, and then yeah. it runs through the the defomer on the venous blood as right. well. So it's got two passes, right? Right. But the problem is, is that if the if and and I've seen it, you know the, that blood air interface and reaction and you can you can see the blood being really turned into something sometimes unrecognizable mm -hmm. but without it i couldn't have done the case if it was all going over there there's too much blood too much suction so right. i think if it's a minimal suction case or you know maybe an average amount of suction you can deal with it of course you know you have to you have to get that blood processed and back in for the red cells if you lose enough, you're going to lose your plasma volume. You're going to lose your platelets. Um, well, and I, I mean, there's a yin and a yang. There's well, a positive and negative. You And if you're really trying to do that, you're going to have to minimize your circuit anyway. You're going to have to shorten your lines for sure because you're going to need, um, you're going to, need to uh, lessen your amount of circuit volume that you have because you're constantly losing that volume, especially if you're venting, yes. right? <laughs> it's all... It's, going to the cell saver right and you're gonna have to right you're and gonna so have volume you're, issues you're gonna have volume issues you either have to add volume you're gonna have to go with lower flows you're gonna have to there's a lot of it it makes the case i i very busy i'm not very busy. i'm not sure you know of course everything is that you have to consider the risk benefit equation and is are the benefits from this worth what the risks are and as a technique i don't see it as having gained much in the way of popularity yeah i think i read um, uh, some article and mm. it's not one i used here um that even though this technique has been around for over 20 years less than four percent of the cases are done using these mm -hmm. types of uh minimally invasive uh closed circuits yeah and i'm surprised at that i'm surprised it's even that high so for uh the audience how a a heart lung machine cardiopulmonary bypass circuit works just to give you an idea the primary circulation portion of it which is the venous drainage which is used to keep the heart empty so that it's not distended and full of volume because you know you have to operate on it um is in a goes in a reservoir which can be either a bag which is closed or an open reservoir which is a hard shell um and there is in a hard shell reservoir air above the uh but it's uh, an oxygen environment at that point in time unless you're sucking air from somewhere else but i don't want to make this overly complicated um and uh and then that blood comes out and goes through a pump and goes back into the patient and there's no real blood air interface in that now in the old days we used bubble oxygenators that's a whole, but i don't want to get into that right now that 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 becomes that becomes too complicated and really off topic but with a pump sucker, the, the, what we call the sucker and the vents and things like that, especially if the heart is open, you have a roller pump, which is a positive displacement pump. And a roller pump spins around, compresses the tubing, creates a negative pressure, and then it's a positive pressure and pumps it along. So like a rolling pin going around a raceway. 
Well, if you have a, a chest cavity that's open and there's bleeding and there's blood there, they put a wand and it's a suction wand. It goes in there and it, the pump is turning and it sucks that blood up. Well, along with sucking that blood up, sucks it up also air. sucks air from the surgical field. That air comes through the line, goes into the what would be the cardiotomy reservoir, we call it, where the suction blood goes. And the air, of course, separates from the blood at that point in time. The blood goes through a filter and defomer and then gets put back into the body. So that's kind of how it works for those who aren't like, you know, really aware of how that, that, that happens. But, the, but that blood air interface exists in the line itself as well. So as the blood is being sucked, it sloshes, And there's some things you can do to try to mitigate it, right? So that's why they often might be using uh, uh, CO2 in in the field. So hopefully that the air that's being sucked up along with that is more CO2, which is more dissolvable. I mean, the main thing we're Mm -hmm. worried about is nitrogen. Right, but then also those suctions and vents can get occluded in the tissue and collapse that tubing and there's blood and gas air co2 doesn't whatever in there and it it collapses and releases collapses and releases and you see it just destroys the blood that's in i mean the Mm -hmm. that blood is destroyed now we try to mitigate mitigate that we don't line when something gets uh occluded like that where we we usually will say sucker stuck vent stuck uh, whatever the case may be, and we expect them to fix that by moving it. Somebody up there at the field is going to do that. If they don't, we generally will turn it off right. to try and not just allow that continued trauma to occur. Right. Um, but those are all part of you know what we do for a living. That's what we that's what we uh, that's what we get paid for. I'm just not really certain in in my estimation. Again, having seen mech um the minimally invasive extracorporeal circuit having seen mech in its very from its from its inception from when it was first released and but that's how one they were specific pushing it brand correct no mech is a concept and oh, okay. just that there was a brand also called, called mech that's what i mean so you're referring to the concept or the brand both okay the the concept itself okay. so the 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 but because the 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 brand the concept is is the same regardless of which companies it was mm-hmm. so whichever oxygenator or centrifugal pump or tubing or whatever yeah because I think uh, in this mech is mech they, right they it's use, just that somebody decided to call their system mech, mech right which is a little confusing um, because actually they I believe in their uh, the first article uh, by uh, Condellos, their original study that they did with this, they actually used the Levanova system. Yeah, you can do that too. Yes, they had one. I remember when I remember when Sorn, <clears throat> it was th- Sorn at the time. I thought. I think they create their own. Yes, you yes. do, and we could create our own. We could. That was my point. Is yes. anyone could create it? Yes, it's all a mech system. Right. There just happened right. to be one also as a brand mech. Yes. But yes. With not not with with notwithstanding. The very first mech system was called mech. Was called mech. <laughs> okay. And they were trying to convince me to use it. Um, and I was in New Orleans at the time. And uh, there were a couple of surgeons that really wanted to use it. 
Um, I did not, and I didn't use it. I ended up not using it. I think a couple of people in town did use it, mm -hmm. but it, uh, it didn't go well, uh, and so they abandoned it pretty early on. Uh, I, I've, gone, I've listened to a couple of, of, of really good presentations from some European colleagues that used it all the time. It's really more common in Europe, in it, for sure. Really, really, really believed in it and seemed to do really well with it. I just never saw the results they were having duplicated anywhere well, uh, here in the United and States. I, just with my limited experience, so I guess about three and a half years of using, consistently using a Venus Reservoir bag, that has a reservoir for volume, but yet that was the number one complaint is that constantly was we weren't draining well. Can you imagine if you were using something that has no place to keep that volume? Right, and vacuum-assisted Venus return is so much easier Absolutely. to work with. Yeah, and, uh, right. You know. We would always use, uh, for the bags, kinetic assist, which mm -hmm. is terrible. Yes, kinetic assist, yeah, that's, that's dreadful. Um, but, you know, VAVD, of course, that's been around forever as well. Mm-hmm. Right, VAVD actually came out, I think it predates the MEX system. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was all that controversy, you know, about vacuum will create air. You're mm -hmm. going to be pumping air to the patient. There were surgeons that were scared to death of using it. None of it made sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense why that would happen, but that's what they would uh, believe. Well, I mean, I guess if you used extremely high negative pressures, I don't know. I've used very high negative pressures before. What, yeah, but what are you calling extremely high? Negative 90. Okay, but what if you're using negative 200? Well, but who would do that? that but that's my sense. point. But yeah, but that wouldn't even make sense. It doesn't, but neither does what you're saying, that we're going to pull air. You'd be air. flowing backwards <laughs> if you had negative 200. <laughs> You'd be flowing backwards, that's true. Uh -huh. um, okay, did we get any more questions? Um, so they're looking into graphene. They are, they are some, Medema and um, Patrick Hollywood are apparently going to join forces and come up with the use Great. of graphene. Um, and somebody's asking, what does uh, graphene do within the body? You know, Patrick, know. the question was for Patrick. I have no idea. Um, but, uh, but if you could make the graphene so that it didn't, it was on the tubing but did not leach out. Yeah that's what you're going to try to accomplish right but remember the tubing has to be flexible and clampable and there's a lot of other little pieces to this that you have to take into consideration so um you know if i can help in any way please don't hesitate to reach out and talk to me um we can maybe show you some tubing and clamp it and play with it and do a simulation in here or whatever and it may help you in your endeavor that'd be fantastic just do me a favor let me have like you know how about how about a tenth of a percent of the royalties one tenth of one percent of the royalties for tammy and i um, no, so I think this was a really good, uh, I actually think it was a really good article, and I think you did a really good job uh, getting through that. Well, it, it was um, a little bit rough. Yeah, it's very complicated, especially if um, this, uh, Ignacio Candelo, I mean, he, I, I bet he's a pretty smart guy. Yes. Reading yeah. his other articles. Um, so, you know, I always love uh, people who are trying to innovate what we do mm -hmm. to try to make it. Uh, and, you know, he's not doing, sometimes you see these things, which we've done an article or two, 
where they are innovating for the sake of innovating. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It makes things overly complex when you already have a system that works just right, fine. Right, like wrap versus ultrafiltration. You're making it overly complicated when all you have to do is just ultrafiltrate. Eh, I disagree with that, but... Um, For no good reason. You don't even have a good reason to disagree, but that's, we'll have that discussion. Right, but I do think that his idea, um, you know, he has really put a lot of research and thought and measurements uh, using, uh, you know, using an ultrasound system uh, on trying to make the circuit better for mm -hmm. the patient. And there hasn't been, uh, you know, there was a, a lot of innovation when you first came out with the coatings, as they discussed, but then really nothing much since then. Mm -hmm. There's been things that were tried, you know, like the minimally invasive, the smaller circuits, um, but really nothing has caught on. So I do commend him on trying to find something to move us along from a perfusion standpoint mm -hmm. of innovation for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. The real question is, does it translate into improved outcomes post-operatively right. by how we measure outcomes? Mm -hmm. Major morbidity, mortality, yep. kidney injury, stroke, mm -hmm. length of stay, um, you know, return to normal living, neurologic mm -hmm. consequences, all of those, all of those things. And, you know, without getting into it too deeply, we used bubble oxygenators and yes, there were patients, more patients then than today that developed, um, some neurologic, uh, complications postoperatively. Mm -hmm. Uh, but um they uh by and large did really well that's how cardiac surgery grew you mm -hmm. know before we mm -hmm. had membrane oxygen but you wouldn't go back to it to a bubble oxygenator um uh, very elegantly simple design um probably not but i i, I guess if that's all we had yeah. I think we we would. I think if that's all we had for some reason, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I think there are ways of mitigating um, even that that we know more now mm -hmm. that we didn't know then. Um, so uh, so I, I wouldn't not. I wouldn't. Let's just hypothetically say that it was all I had. Um, I wouldn't be. No, we can't do that. God forbid. We're gonna. It's a horrible thing to do. We can't do it. Uh, no, I mean, I would. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they work really well. Hmm. There'd have to be some retraining. It's not very complicated. The blood comes in, it, it, it bubbles, and it turns into arterial blood. Instead of a venous reservoir, you now have an arterial reservoir. That's the only difference. Mm -hmm. And then it pumps out and goes to the patient. You, just, you can't use VABD for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... It works fine. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, I think. Okay, so it looks like uh, okay. Medema is going to work on it, Great. and uh, we're all here to save lives. Absolutely. Well, that and with my one tenth of a sh of, of 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 a profit, I need to get rich too. So come on, help us out here. We're <laughs> we're wanting to get rich. All right. Um, uh, okay. What's on the program tomorrow? Tomorrow is going to be good question. We have we have uh, PerfWeb seventy eight day two with yes. John Ingram starting at 
3 o'clock our time, Central Time. Yeah, it's actually going to be really good because his and mine dovetail uh, nicely nice. together. Yeah, his is going to be urine output on CPB, when is enough enough. And I've, because mine is, and on Thursday, does ultrafiltration reduce urine output on CPB right. and what is the evidence? This is very provocative. Mm -hmm. And actually, on Thursday, I'm going to be as provocative as I have ever been. I know you're not going to be here. You're I'm on not. vacation. I am. Uh, but you can tune in and watch because be exactly I'm, I'm going to say some things. Um, really? I'll right. probably watch it from the library. I'm going to be honest. From the library? You know, once it's uh, put on the library. Oh, 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 where are you going on Thursday? Can you tell us or not? Is it secret? It's not where are you secret. going? It's not going anywhere, but I'm probably not going to watch Perfway. So you're going to be in town? Yeah. Well, then you can come. I, I have plans. <laughs> what are they? That's what I've been trying to I ask. Have, I have plans with my family. Okay, you have a family? I do. I never knew that. <laughs> I didn't know you had a family. Um, we can, uh, but well, we're not through. I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to get, I'm trying to. He's trying to tell us how he's going to be provocative. I'm trying to elucidate information from Tammy about where she's going and what she's doing and that kind of a thing. So, but I'm not getting very far. I'm, I'm getting nowhere in a hurry. So, uh, so but with that said, um, uh, I am, I'm going to be very provocative because I feel that, uh, and I just tell people if they're going to be watching, um, there was a recent article written by, uh, Al Stammers and Linda Mongero about, uh, ultrafiltration and cardiopulmonary bypass, which I, I believe, and I, I read the article and I've read the article several times now, and I've also done an extensive search on uh, all of the available data about ultrafiltration mm -hmm. and uh, kidney injury and renal failure and, and all of that uh, sort of thing. And uh, their article, which did get published, um, I think is, uh, is, is, is in, in my opinion, and I'll just tell you my opinion prior to the show, which I'll, I'll, I'll reinforce during the show and why I feel the way I do, has done an incredible disservice uh, to our uh, to our industry and our community, hmm. uh, and I feel very strongly about it because I I think the article ultra, said you can over ultrafiltrate and therefore no the article says that ultrafiltration on cardiopulmonary bypass leads to uh, kidney injury and uh, renal failure, and huh. I think that it is uh, it uh, uh, there there the evidence is overwhelming. Hmm. to the contrary of that hmm. and uh we're going to a recent article mm -hmm, relatively recent and oh, i'm wow. going to dive into it okay uh they used their patients from the uh hospitals that they have contracts as a company and uh did like a uh, uh some kind of a uh, of a data search um there's a lot of really complicated graphs and data and all of that kind of stuff but the 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 evidence um and i'll tell you uh jeff riley who's awfully well-known guy uh has an incredible article that i'm going to really be talking about oh. with uh meta-analyses um on all of these papers that have been done 
about ultrafiltration, uh, good, really good studies mm -hmm. uh, where it was specific and shows just exactly the opposite. Wow, and that, so that is going to be a great discussion. It's provocative because they're competing, uh, competing uh, conclusions. Yeah. And very competing, like 180 degree apart. Wow. And it makes my job very challenging. In fact, I had a good conversation with uh, with my good friend Barbara Barbara Williams Beard down in uh, down in Clear Lake yesterday. We had lunch together, and we actually were talking about this very subject uh, because this, one of the surgeons that she works with happened to have seen that article oh. and was arguing with her about the uh, ultrafiltration, uh, doing ultrafiltration on bypass and. You know, it, fortunately, Barbara is really, really good at what she does and is able to clearly articulate, you know, and uh, why that article had issues and why that's this is a much better thing to do, mm -hmm. getting the surgeon to better understand the role of, of ultrafiltration mm -hmm. on bypass. But, you know, she still if, if she had not been who she was you could lose the ability to do something that is so incredibly beneficial mm -hmm. off of what I considered to be um, agenda-driven research. And that's, uh, that's a separate problem. That's another topic that I'd, I'd like mm -hmm. to discuss someday. And that is, uh, 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 you know, articles that are written that have uh, agendas other than the search for truth and there are a lot of those that exist hmm. many yeah mm -hmm. so well, we can have that discussion i mean research is supposed to answer a question you're not supposed to know the answer to the question before you do the research agreed you can have a hypothesis sure but you have to you know you well, that, really but you mm -hmm. don't seek to prove your hypothesis you gather information to see if your hypothesis is true that's true that is correct i agree with you okay all right it is uh medima's looking forward to it i wish you could make it because yeah. it's gonna be good i'm gonna be fired up yeah i bet you are i'm gonna have are goat. we spinning the wheel i mean i think we could spin the wheel from medima yeah medima has medima won anything before I don't know. Medema wins a lot. I think Medema wins a lot of stuff. We're going to figure it out. Medema. Did, did Medema ever send us her address? I don't know. I don't remember. Medema, you have to go to contact at perfusioneducation.com and send us, because I think you've won several things and we've never gotten them to you. I can't really remember. But contact at perfusioneducation.com. David's going to put it up. Um, and there it is. You need to send us your physical mailing address because we're going to spin and the wheel. And first and last name. Uh, yeah, and first and last name. Okay, let's spin the wheel. Here we go. I love that graphic. Oh, come on. Stop right there. And you got extra call for Medema. Well, we don't need to mail that to you. I'm spinning it, again. No, no, she won extra call. I'm spinning again. Maybe she gets paid for call. You just made her some money. <laughs> she's going to get an aortic dissection nope. while she's on call. Cup. Uh, cup. All right. <laughs> Did you hit that and stop it? I can't do that. Oh, okay. So you didn't get an extra, you didn't get 
an aortic dissection while on call, so good for you, but you did win a cup. We need your physical mailing address. Contact at perfusioneducation.com and we will get this mailed out to you. I don't care where you are in the world. I don't know at this point in time. You could be anywhere. Doesn't matter. We can ship it to you and we're going to ship you a couple of cups so that you can enjoy your favorite beverage while watching these exciting programs. All right. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. At, tomorrow, no, tomorrow afternoon. Afternoon. At yes. three o'clock. Three o'clock. Tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. John Ingram's knowledge nuggets on urine output on cardiopulmonary bypass. When is enough enough? Thank you. Good day. Have a great day.